From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. The city and borough of Juneau is once again recommending masking indoors. Here's KINY's Greg Knight. The state of Alaska Department of Health and Social Services reports 177 new positive cases of COVID in Juneau over the past week, or about 25 cases per day. This represents a 48% weekly increase and is the highest case count Juneau's seen since the end of the Omicron wave in early February. While case activity is elevated in the CBJ, City Hall is recommending masking indoors in public places, particularly in situations where close contact is unavoidable. That's Greg Knight reporting. The Juneau 4th of July Parade Committee has spoken out about what to expect for this year's festivities. According to Board Chair Damon Geary and Secretary Kelly Patterson, organizers are looking at participation coming back to pre-pandemic 2019 levels. They announced this year's theme on Capital Chat. This year we're looking at probably coming back to our 2019 levels of participation, so it's going to be a huge, huge event. I think even following our event there's a concert in town, so yeah, it's it's going to be a great time in our Get to introduce a theme for this year. Are you ready for it? Oh, I should have a drum roll going. (laughs) Yes, I know. I'm sorry I don't have that ready for you. It's the spirit of community. So we're going to be celebrating those who who have helped our community, volunteered, and also just a tribute to our former director, Gene Stuck, who served on the committee 47 years and had about a nine-year lapse in that, but that's a lot of years she gave to the committee up to 2019. Stuck passed away in March of this year. Stuck will be an honorary Grand Marshal with two others as this year's Grand Marshals. We do have Jean is one of our honorary Grand Marshals, but we do have two other Grand Marshals. Drum roll again. And this is our first time announcing them publicly. So our two Grand Marshals this year are Dr. Amy Dressel and Brian Weed, and we are very happy to have them. Um, We had so many great nominations this year, and we just are thrilled to have Dr. Amy Dressel and Brian Weed with us. And we think that they just embody what the spirit of community is with their volunteer work in our community. More information can be found under the news tab of KINYradio.com. Capital City Fire and Rescue are looking at getting two new fire engines, as well as another new ladder truck. But it'll be a while. That was a word from Fire Marshal Dan Jager while on Action Line. We're also looking at ordering two more uh, fire engines, not the ladder trucks, but the engines themselves. The, one, the newest ones that we have, uh, I believe they were done in 2014. So they're starting to see some signs of age. Um, you know, they get a lot of use. And so we're trying to work on getting two more of those ordered in the next probably couple of years. And the additional ladder truck I was telling you about, we're trying to get that, and that'll probably be another at least two years out, I'd imagine. It's just it's a long process for having them built. Jagger was asked what is done with fire trucks after they are slated to be replaced. What we'll do is we'll put it in as a reserve or backup engine. And so that way, if our main uh, newer apparatus break down or have some sort of an issue, we have reserve apparatus that can take their place. Meanwhile, he said the new 100-foot ladder truck may be in Juneau next month. That uh, should be wrapping up here the end of the month. The time the first or second week of June, we should be seeing it actually here in town. Um, I imagine we're going to have a a big community-wide open house type thing where the people come by the station, check it out. It's going to be new. It's new for us, not only because it's a brand new piece of equipment, but it's type of equipment we've never had before. Juno Fire Marshal Dan Jagger commenting on Action Line. 
After visitation at national parks in the country was rocked by the pandemic, new visitor numbers show a recovery in Alaska parks. The subject was addressed in an article in the May edition of Alaska Economic Trends prepared by the State Department of Labor. Economist Karina Weibold said that she looked at Alaska's national park visits comparing 2019 pre-pandemic to 2020, the first year of the pandemic, and 2021, when there was some return of out-of-state visitors. She said national parks in Alaska went from almost 2 million visitors in 2019 down to about 300,000 in 2020. We both explained the impacts the pandemic had on visitations. The first year of the pandemic, they were hit uh, about 28% decrease over the year before. But Alaska saw um, about three times as much of an impact in our national parks. So in 2020, the first year of the pandemic, we lost 86% of our national park visits. Weebold says numbers should return to pre-pandemic levels if the visitor season is typical. Both of the, our two largest parks are probably going to see near normal numbers of visitors if this cruise ship and visitor season looks like normal. And then, like I mentioned, Kenai was already above pre-pandemic levels. And uh, we should be seeing some return to m more normal numbers in most of our largest parks. It'll be a little bit more of a question for like Kobuk Valley and Gates of the Arctic that are very remote. But like I said, they tend to have very few visitors anyway. Economist Karina Weebold commenting on Action Line. A U.S. Army soldier died of injuries sustained in a bear attack Tuesday. ABC's Lionel Moyes has the story. In a statement, Joint Base Almendorf Richardson says a soldier died of injuries sustained in that bear attack in training area 412, which is west of the Anchorage Regional Landfill. The Army says the soldier's name is not being released until their family is notified. The area closed off to the public while Alaska wildlife troopers search for the bear. Lionel Moyes, ABC News. The U.S. Senate has fallen far short in a vote towards enshrining Roe v. Wade abortion access into federal law. Wednesday's 51-49 negative vote was almost along party lines. ABC's Andy Fields reports. Senate Democrats didn't even get all their own members to vote yes to legalize abortion. Joe Manchin voting no with all Republicans. Democrat Patty Murray. My daughter, my granddaughters will have fewer rights than I did. I truly never thought I would say that, and it breaks my heart. Democrats promising to make this an election issue in the midterm, saying the only way to protect abortion rights is to elect more Senate Democrats. Andy Field, ABC News, Washington. Vice President Kamala Harris added this after the vote. And let's be clear, the majority of the American people believe in defending a woman's right, her choice, to decide what happens to her own body. In his budget summary to the City Finance Committee, Jeff Rogers pointed out that $16 million in school bond debt reimbursement is a little less certain given the recent actions of the legislature in the state budget. The Senate and the House have funded in their versions of the budget $200 plus million that would repay municipalities for unreimbursed school bond debt that should have been reimbursed in previous years. That amount for CBJ is the number on the screen, just over $16 million. That number seemed more certain and seemed less likely to be vetoed by the governor until yesterday's sort of unprecedented floor action in the Senate on the budget that swung the budget, uh, swung the Senate's version of the budget from a billion dollar surplus to a billion dollar deficit. So it really changes the dynamic around how the governor might make vetoes and something that seemed relatively secure seems suddenly far less secure. Rogers says that, based on projections, there is a possibility that a close to 
$6 million deficit could be the norm in the coming years. Rogers says that if things keep going the way they are projected, without a change, government spending in Juneau would be untenable by 2027. You're looking at a deficit every year of five to six million dollars. That, in this circumstance, drains unrestricted fund balance to less than five million dollars by the end of FY26. So if you did that and you didn't spend a penny, not, not a penny in a supplemental appropriation, not a spending, not a penny on a project, not a penny on an anything, by 26, you would be forced to do something different in 27, because you will not have enough unrestricted fund balance to continue paying for government. On a better note, Deputy City Manager Robert Barr and City Manager Rory Watt reported that cruise ships were likely seeing more visitor numbers than expected initially. Last I heard, ships were still in the slightly more than half range, but I I don't have more detail than that. Mr. Watt, did you want to add anything to that? Uh, Thank you, Chair. That's about uh, what I've been hearing, maybe slightly more bullish than we projected, but uh, I don't have any good data to really back that up. It's it's pretty anecdotal at this point. The Juno Economic Development Council made its pitch for $400,000 in city funding during the Assembly Finance Committee meeting on Wednesday. It was approved by unanimous consent. Juno Economic Development Council Executive Director Brian Holst laid out five key areas that council is working on. He says the number one topic is revitalization. We have particular interest in the... Um, Akquan district. There's an economic argument for strong downtowns, and you'll see that uh, in our partnerships with uh, the Downtown Business Association in particular, we work very closely with them, but also with, uh, we have partnerships with the CBA, the Home Builder Association, and a nonprofit. Uh, some work related to our, our great capital city is uh, close coordination with the Alaska Committee. They meet monthly in the offices of JADC. We met this morning. We just completed a survey, a satisfaction survey of legislators. Uh, we did that four years ago. We have a follow-up. We'll have results here in June. And uh, an exciting initiative is that we have begun a new group called the Southeast Regional Elder Care Coalition, and that is addressing uh, some of our workforce uh, needs in, in for our elder population. Hull says economies are about people and supporting them in the community. The council board also wants to work on entrepreneurship. The board identified uh, that we would like to do additional work in this area to promote entrepreneurship. And um, so, so currently we, we do have a loan portfolio. We've been involved in angel investing. We're going to host an angel conference here next year. Uh, the city of Juneau, uh, formerly through the mayor's office of the National League of Cities, uh, we won an award. Um, for the Kaufman Fast Track program to be able to do a pilot program. Um, through that, that those funds come to the city, but then they get passed to us. Thank you. Jeff Rogers is the, the manager. The mayor made the actual um, formal um, request. And as you know, we have the local frequency um, program. 1,500 uh, people in Juneau have downloaded that app, and that's catching on slowly but surely. Holst, in the end, thanked the committee for taking the council's ask under advisement. We've had 35 years of support from the assembly. We're really appreciative that we can play a, um, a, a small but we believe important role in our community. JEDC's Brian Holst. A new federal study shows the U.S. government supported more than 400 Native American boarding schools aimed at assimilating Native children. Interior Secretary Deb Holland spoke at a news conference yesterday. For more than a century, tens of thousands of indigenous children were taken from their communities and forced into boarding schools run by the U.S. government, specifically the Department of the Interior and religious institutions. The consequences of federal Indian boarding school policies 
including the intergenerational trauma caused by forced family separation and cultural eradication, which were inflicted upon generations of children as young as four years old, are heartbreaking and undeniable. The Interior Department's findings, released yesterday, expanded the number of schools known to have operated during a 150-year period. This is not new to us. It's not new to many of us. As Indigenous people, we have lived with the intergenerational trauma of federal Indian boarding school policies for many years. But what is new is the determination in the Biden-Harris administration to make a lasting difference in the impact of this trauma for future generations. The agency also has so far identified more than 50 burial sites associated with the schools, not all with marked graves. That number is expected to grow as the research continues. The agency says a second volume of the report will cover burial sites and the impacts of the boarding schools on indigenous communities. Holland announced last year that her agency would investigate their legacy and uncover the truth about the government's role in them. Alaska school districts could not adopt dress codes that bar students from wearing hairstyles associated with race or from wearing traditional tribal regalia at graduation ceremonies under legislation passed by state lawmakers. The bill, as it passed the Senate in March, also would have restricted businesses from adopting workplace dress codes that prohibit employees from wearing natural hairstyles or hairstyles associated with race. However, the section related to businesses was stripped by the House, which passed the pared-down version relating to school dress codes on Tuesday. The Senate agreed to the House changes yesterday. A team of legislators has, for the past many years, been offering the good word to inmates at Lemon Creek Correctional Center. Those visits to the prison, spearheaded by Sutton Representative George Rauscher, was curtailed due to the COVID pandemic, but now legislators are returning to minister to those imprisoned. Rauscher, in addition to being an elected official, is a ministry-minded evangelical Christian. He said it is his duty to go out and spread the word. I think the Bible talks heavily about, uh, to me it talks heavily, and some people it's barely noticeable, but to me it talks heavily about when I was in prison, did, did you come to see me when, when I was thirsty? You know, did you give me a cup of water? Rauscher has been a missionary across the state of Alaska, as well as Indonesia, Russia, and Haiti. He has traveled with Dr. Franklin Graham's organization, Samaritan's Purse. No one particular faith uh, is a uh, is a missionary, I believe. You're just basically, um, if, if, if the group you're with believes that Jesus died on the cross, rose again three days later for your sins, then... That's a faith that I can get behind. I don't care whether you meet on Saturdays, you meet on Sundays, it doesn't bother me. According to Rauscher, other legislators, including former Representative Dave Tallarico, have made the journey with him to the prison. The visits were a monthly event before COVID. Rauscher said the visits will continue, adding he will be continuing on next year and the year after. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.